like a cool breeze coming down from a frozen hill. You are listening to an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here he is, Darius, Teddy. From the chilling podcast studios in the frozen hills near Storybrook, I am Teddy the Yeti, and you are listening to the cool sounds of the Once Upon a Time fan podcast. So, ladies, gentlemen, reindeers, and warm-hearted snowmen, onceuponatimepodcast.com and Zone Media present the hosts of the coolest Once Upon a Time podcast ever. Put your hands and paws together for Jeff and Colleen Roney. Welcome everyone. Hello. To the main show of the Once Upon a Time fan podcast about the episode entitled The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. This is show number 248. This is episode number 248, and the show notes can be found at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 248. What was that number again? 248. <laughs> One more than 247. Right. One less than 249. Yes, and the rain dog lady is here. Mm-hmm. She is on her pillow. So again, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us, however you found us, however you are listening we appreciate you. We do indeed. And I have a little more fade out music. Yeah. We have news and all kinds of different things. And we have an update, an audio update from Keegan Connor Tracy. Yay! The Blue Fairy. Yay! And Mother Superior in Once Upon a Time. She's going to bring us up to speed on what she's working on and give all you oncers a task. <gasps> Nice. She has tasked us to do something. And so Yay. you won't know unless you listen right. to the end and hear her audio message. Right on. So with that, we will move on to this. Hey, Teddy the Yeti, still chilling with you. Let's see what's new in Storybrooke, Maine. It's time for Once Upon a Time News. And we do have some news, actually some huge big news. This was tweeted by Adam Horowitz, and the episode Smash the Mirror, mm-hmm. which will be on November 16th, yes. will be a two-hour episode. Woo-hoo. Two whole hours. Two. So there's a part awesome. one that's going to be in the normal slot. Eight to nine. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be a part two of Smash the Mirror. Right on. So it's going to be a late recording for us mm-hmm. because we do the first thoughts, but it is a two-hour episode. So that's something extra. So instead of eleven hours, we get twelve now. Okay. So Yay. that's exciting, and I would imagine that has something to do with Sydney. Just the title alone. Uh, yeah, I would think so. So. And we also got notification by Marilyn. She emailed us, and she had a picture, which we're going to have in the show notes, of Regina's only friend. Hmm. Except for probably Catherine. Okay. Because Catherine was her friend, too. Well. But her only friend besides Catherine. Right. And and we knew that Maleficent is returning, and so there was a really nice photo of the evil queen. And Maleficent. And I also wanted to let you know that I was on a great podcast. It's called the Disney Vault Talk. And it's like a sub, it's a subtopic podcast about the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. Mm-hmm. And it's called Disney Vault Talks Rebel Yell. And so we got, I got together with Steve and Teresa and we talked about uh, the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, the fight or Fight or flight. Mm -hmm. That's what we discussed. So I thank Steve and Teresa for that. And I will give you the information so that you can check it out. So it was, we talked a little bit once upon a time, but a whole lot of Star Wars. Mm. But if you like both, I think you will find it interesting for sure. And there we go. That's what we want. This. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for dropping us a line at feedback at onceuponatimepodcast.com. Let's take a look at what you all had to say. Hey, wait a minute. Where's the mailbag? I'm the mailbag right here. And I have some mail from that mailbag. And let's go ahead and dive into it. Alina sent in an email that said, my theory is Henry is going to be the one to guard the sorcerer's hat. And that's a good theory. Mm-hmm. And I think possibly my thought is he may want to use it to protect or save someone. Yeah, he may have And so to. I think he's going to get into mischief possibly. because of that. I, I would I would wager. And the other thing I see happening is that much like the Sorcerer's Apprentice that we're used to with Fantasia, I have a feeling that he's going to learn some magic. Sure. And yep. I think that's where he's going to get into trouble. Yes, indeed. And thank you so much, Alina, for that email. And the next email is from Mai. Mai sends great emails with all kinds of great points, and we kind of condensed it, so we're just going to pull out certain things uh, from that email. The first is about the Emma and Hook date. Uh, She says, we know that Emma always wears her jacket as her personal armor. She wore the leather dress with Walsh for that one reason. It was an extension of her armor, and I don't Mm -hmm. blame her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tonight she wore, in in the episode, she wore a soft pink because she wanted to be close to Killian. She wanted romance and love. Mm -hmm. And I also think my opinion, and we talked about this, it's a reflection of the 50s. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if we're going to go down the same thought that she had about the leather being her an extension of herself and her armor, when they got to the end of the date, she took off Killian's leather jacket, mm-hmm. which was basically shedding her armor to be more vulnerable with him. Yep. And let me let me continue. We're, okay. We'll definitely get there. He gave her his jacket mm-hmm. because she is his girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. And because she had a new armor, him. So it's almost uh, it's it's like in the old days, you know, they would give the letterman jacket to right. the girlfriend. Oh right? yeah, and it was, big it was like deal. she's mine. But but in right. what Maya is saying is it's like an extension of his protection mm-hmm. through, which is actually kind of a magical thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an amulet or something that is uh, yeah. powerful. So anyway, the jacket definitely uh, because he anyway she continues because he will protect her. So, uh, it's also and, a good analogy too. Yes, and she let him under her walls and protection. So, mm-hmm. very good. Uh, the Rumple and Hook situation. Uh, Rumple is enslaving Killy in the same way Zelina enslaved him. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Rumple used Hook's love for Emma to entrap him to serve him. And these are my thoughts here. Hook was trying to do the right thing, but it ended up being the wrong thing at the hand of Rumple. And remember that that scene? We just saw the episode. Remember that scene where Anna was talking to Rumple and he said he wields the weapon of love. Mm-hmm. And Anna's love for Elsa right. was used against her so that Rumple could get the tear on the dagger. And that's why he can open up that special box. Exactly. So... Um. Anyway, I was saying that that's how Rumple set up Hook, uh, and it, my my last thought on that was now that this now that decision because of Hook's love for Emma, that decision can jeopardize what he's wanted to be with Emma because now there's double blackmail. I mean, mm-hmm. Hook threatened Bell's life. Rumple threatened. Uh, Emma, mm-hmm. the relationship there. Mm-hmm. So they're both playing chicken, basically. Yeah. And I mean, what, what, what's funny about this? Go ahead. No, just what um, the, the final thing is. Rumple said, you know, basically, you're you need to serve me for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because of because, because you, you threatened, threatened my marriage, my, right? Mm-hmm. And my happiness, you yeah. now owe me with your life, yeah. which is funny. If you think about it, because now what all this means is that we we just saw, and we kind of talked about this, so I'm going to kind of take a little side trip here. In the episode, I realized that, wait a second, if Anna commanded the Dark One to send her and the box back to Arendelle, 
how'd the box get back into Storybrooke? That house mm. must be Anna's house. And that or is hers and Kristoff's. Yeah. Yep. So that's how the box came back, right? Because it's not Elsa's house. Right. Let me But but here's the thing. That being the case, then when when Rumpel looked at Elsa, Emma, and Hook before and said, I don't know her, I've never seen her, I don't know anything about her sister, I don't know where she is. That was a bald faced lie. Sure. Because he was in that house before and he has the box. Right. And he knows that she's the one last one who had it. Right? So he's lying about that. So if Hook ever figures that out, that's his out. Right. Now, I, n- not disagreeing with you, that certainly could be the case. I, I Because I have this crazy notion about points of power, that could be... Ah, it doesn't work. Because the... the, the the apprentice now lives in some other house. I was thinking maybe that was where the apprentice lit because in the apprentice's house in the enchanted forest, they had those doors that went down those stairs. We right. are led to believe right. to go down to that special place where the box was hidden. Ah, forget that. Anyway, but I honestly believe now that I'm thinking about this, that that house that they stayed in really is Anna's house because it had the ballroom, which would be the palace, the Arendelle yeah. Palace. I'm more in line with that for sure. Absolutely. So I, that, that sounds that I believe sounds it's Anna Kristoff's yeah. house is yep. what I think. All right. Let's talk about the videotape. And uh, I'll continue from my email. I was just thinking of something. Killian saw Rumpel magically erasing the tape. It might be a long shot, but do you think that's going to call back to Zelina's murder and the and Gold magically erasing the tape as well? I think so. I think it's very similar. Well, here's the other thing I have a question about. Really? The security tapes on a VHS? And not only that, not only that, he didn't show him the tape. Right. How do we know what tape that was? And that's an old, you know, again. He flat out said, the dark one lies, the dark one tricks. Sure. And I think he was pulling a fast one over on Killian again. Mm-hmm. Because Killian is trying really hard to, you know, and he trying really hard to make sure Emma's happy and when he felt like he was threatening Emma that's when it kind of flustered him he's very easily manipulated by Rumpel yeah and I think I think that if he were to actually look at the tape it has nothing to do with the security tape of what happened I don't think Rumpel did anything with it I think Rumpel waved his hand over it to kind of make him think that there was something going on when there's nothing for him to have erased anyway that's what I think. Well, in my email, she did re- she did focus on that too. The dark one tricks, the dark one lies. So it's that whole idea. You can't really trust him. And um, we'll loop back to the the videotape in, in just a bit. Let me continue to read from sure. her email. Honestly, I think the hand was cursed, and he did it so he could back Killian into a corner because Killian has changed, and it's just like Rumble to do this. Also, this is also the hand he had growing up, the hand that was a lieutenant. He was not a bad person when that hand was taken. It was afterward that he became a villain. So, yeah, the hand was definitely cursed. And I think the video is definitely a fake. So uh, I'll continue. (coughs) Look at the man's house, the apprentice in Storybrooke. It was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I don't really think that he would have a security system. And Emma knows Killian. And and Emma knows Killian. Why would he attack an innocent old man? So, again, it was kind of what I was telling you when we were watching is I think Hook is going to throw all the cards on the table and say, listen, I, I got hooked into, pardon the pun, helping Rumpel, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's really setting me up. I need you to believe me, but I need you to use your superpower to kind of see through his stuff. So let's go talk to him and figure this thing out. And I think that's going to be one of the tests of their, you know, blossoming. I'll tell you what I think. If we're going to go that route, I think he's going to tell her what's going on and she's not going to believe it because she's not going to have any proof of it. Right. And she's not going to believe that he's actually doing that because clearly he's, you know, who he is. What I do think is going to happen, though, is now that Henry's working there, 
Henry's going to be doing his little things, but when Rumpel's not looking, Henry's going to be spying, and I think Henry's going to see some stuff. Okay. And I yeah. think Henry's going to be the one that's going to prove, and then that's going to prove crazy because now Rumpel will either find out that Henry's been spying, or he won't, and when Henry confronts, he'll get mad and angry, and then he won't have anything to do with Henry anymore after that. Mm. All right, so let's move forward into my email. Let's talk about Anna and Rumpel. Honestly, I think Rumpel was completely lying about Anna and Elsa's parents. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were afraid of Elsa or wanted to take her magic away, but rather a way to control her magic. The dark one lies, the dark one tricks. So mm-hmm. I definitely think Rumpel is going to or went after Kristoff because Anna didn't specify his name, and I think Rumpel... And the Snow Queen will team up and do something to Anna or to Kristoff to put Elsa against them. Because it won't work because Elsa knows her sister. But I do think the Snow Queen and Rumpel had a hand in the Anna slash Kristoff being missing while Elsa got trapped in the urn. So Yeah, very possible. More parallels. Uh, the missing year, my friend, a.k.a. when Hook lost his love by being transported against his will into another realm shortly after getting hope for a happy ending with her. He then gave up being a hero and tried to revert to his old law-breaking lifestyle. But it wasn't enough, and he ended up being miserable and drunk all the time, despite trying to act like he didn't care. Until he received a sign that a reunion was possible, at which point he gave everything up on the chance to be reunited with her. This is the red... Knave's missing year equivalent and though Will isn't exactly at the love is nothing but endless torment stage well actually he already went there in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland canon I'm not saying being separate from Anna is from the Red Queen her name Anastasia. is Anastasia Anastasia yeah yep. is the only reason Will's here or anything but this parallel seems really big I mean add in what you already pointed out with Emma looking like Anastasia on her date and Killian's modern clothes being a lot like Will's. And there's no doubt these parallels are intentional. Yeah, it is true. The jacket and all that. And Emma will be the one to give, to help give Will hope for a reunion and to listen to his better instincts and be his better true self. Uh, One more thing. One more thing. Also, a final note. Uh, did you notice the bartender looked like Tony from Lady and the Tramp? Yes. Yep. Tony and I want to say Luigi, but that doesn't sound right. The, there were a couple of couple of guys in there, and they were wearing the same outfits. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing we noticed too is that in addition to the you know spaghetti kissing couple, the tablecloths were red and white checker. There was the drippy candle in the wine bottle on the table itself it was very much set up to be lady in the tramp yep and thank you very much my for that email yes thank you the next email is from Marilyn. hi jeff and colleen has it ever been established as to where hook has been staying since he returned without the jolly roger with emma's i really need to get my own place line it started me wondering as to where hook calls home in storybrooke I don't know. I'm betting he's staying at Granny's. Yeah, possibly. That seems I mean, to be the, the the place that everybody stays if they don't have their own home. It alluded to he just slept out there over across from Pajos uh, on, yeah, the, on the docks. On the docks, just kind of waiting for Rumble I think to show he was, up. I think he just got there really early. Okay. All right. I think he really is staying at Granny's because that's really close to where Granny's is. So I think he's actually staying at Granny's. He's got a room at uh Upstairs. You know what I want? What? And, and of course, Adam and Eddie just are constantly listening to our podcast. I just know it. I want a real Storybrooke map. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? Where are, in their mind, in their canon, in their show, right. where are these locations? Yeah. I want a Storybrooke map. And we can kind of piece things together when you, know, you can watch the episode and see where they're walking and see where it. it you know their direction they're going in but i want a map yeah that'd be fun anyway and world peace and a million dollars i want a lot of things but a storybook map take two they're small okay uh hook really should 
have known that nothing good ever comes out of making a deal with Rumpel, especially when he threatened to ruin Rumpel's relationship to Bell more than once. Now he is stuck dancing to Rumpel's tune after he made one too many empty threats and falling for Rumpel's mind games regarding that reattached hand. That's true. I mean, it was interesting, the last episode where Hook kind of knew he was playing it right and he pointed and he goes oh, no yeah. no no you're not gonna no that was that uh, heart-stopping smile that well, there he was gave. no it was in this episode yeah, he goes no episode. you're not gonna when he fool me now yeah. right so but later on he didn't catch all that and he no. was just sucked into it oh he so. got totally sucked into it you're right yeah I'll continue with Marilyn's email. I am wondering if they're, they are going to be somewhat following the plot of the original Sorcerer's Apprentice in Fantasia. If that is so, then is it possible Henry, while going undercover at the pawn shop, will somehow stumble across the magical hat, put it on with good intentions, and then have mayhem ensue with the magic that is then released, gets out of hand as it did for Mickey. Mm-hmm. I think you are onto something. I would I, agree. I would I, totally agree. Because I think gold is going to be messed around and maybe sent away for some purpose. He'll he'll somehow. Bell's in trouble. Go go help right, her or something. Right. But yeah, he will get called away somehow, and Henry will be there by himself, and he will wander in the back, and he will find the box, he will find the hat somehow, and he will get himself into trouble. I did want to jump one more thing, and I'm, I'm jumping to this at the wrong point because we should have talked about this before. But Go ahead. Rumpel needed Hook with the whole, the whole broom thing because if Hook wasn't there, he couldn't use the tape to, to blackmail him. Right. So, I mean, what I'm saying is Rumpel didn't need Hook to find this guy. No. He more than likely knew mm-hmm. he could have sent that walking broom by itself. Sure. And he could have done it. But to finish the whole ruse, right. you know, he needed he hook, so, yeah. And by the way, it just dawned on me why he's keeping Anna a secret. Okay. I think he's going to keep her secret for now because I think he knows exactly where she is. I think he's keeping her secret because he needs her to be used as the leverage and the weapon so Elsa's love for Anna is now going to be used against Elsa okay. yeah. because remember he needs to take her powers right he needs the hat to take her powers yeah it this and whole, same thing with the snow queen yeah this whole and we still really don't know the snow queen's true motive yet we kind we of think we do, eh, but, but we don't know exactly. We have no idea. We have no idea. But we definitely know what Rumpel's... Well, we know what his end game is yeah. now. We know where he's going with this. He wants to, he wants to be all-powerful and have the hat. You know, the you know, power just of the like his father. It's just, it's interesting. I, it just every time we talk about the hat and all power and all that, it reminds me of the whole that Peter Pan thing. Yeah, it does. Like father, like son. So. Now, what's interesting is that. Again, I think that's where, where he's going to keep Anna a secret because he's going to need to use Anna as leverage in order to get Elsa's powers. Yeah. Because he can't just take her powers because then Regina would come after him. And he's going to he's gonna have to use Henry to get Regina's powers if he wants those, right? Mm-hmm. Although Regina has magic. I'm not sure that she has powers, so to speak. You know what I mean? That's where it's a little right. fuzzy if there's a difference between being able to perform magic and being able to – and having actual powers. So that'll be yep. interesting to see how that kind of plays itself out. All right. <clears throat> Let us move on to Brad's email. Uh, he says, give in to your temptation and turn up the heat. Do it. Good day, Jeff and Colleen. Here are the things I learned this week on the episode, The Apprentice. Number one, Mr. Gold is a hoarder of limbs. <laughs> Got hands and all kinds of things in there. <laughs> Number two, sometimes it takes a little blackmail to bring out the romance. Isn't that true? Mm. Just a little. Mm. All right. Uh, number three, the reality of how Mickey Mouse really became a star. <laughs> <laughs> now, another thing, I'm I'm jumping a bit. I'm sorry, but we... That's a great pun, too, by the way. It is. We also talked about that Anna probably was in cahoots with the Sorcerer's Apprentice Mouse. 
Yeah, when he became a mouse. When Rumpel was downstairs doing his thing. In the dungeon, getting the box. Because I think they did work together. And she said, look, I'm going to help you. Just get on this, you know, roof thing. Right. And wait for him. And then I'll make sure he stands right there. So I think... I think yeah. she spoke mouse, and I think she, you know, was in cahoots with him. I think she worked with him very closely, yes. Yes. Number four. Well, getting back to the email. Sorry, Brad. Number four, a reindeer can pout. <laughs> yes. And smell. And well, and, well, yeah, of course they can smell. Sven was very cute, and they did a really good job with him. Number five, Emma better call the marine garage because her car is leaking some serious fluids. <laughs> and... I don't know that they'll ever need, yeah, they don't need air conditioner and car as much in there because it's so cold no, most of the time. No, that's true. That's true. Number six, despite being turned human in Storybrooke, Lady and the Tramp haven't lost their spark. That's true. Yep. Or the spaghetti. Number seven, there's nothing like a Polaroid. <laughs> yep. I wonder how how long they had to look for that Polaroid camera. I mean, Probably not very long at all. Probably it was very close yeah, by. Yeah. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Right? <laughs> all right. Number eight. The Apprentice serves child-free biscuits. And it just always reminds me of that Girl Scout cookies joke. You know? Oh, yeah. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? That was from uh, the Adams family. Yeah, yeah. Number nine, when you're a sheriff, even a few libations could lead to trouble. Well, especially you know, the Snow Queens. Well, yeah. Or the Knave is not too far away. <laughs> he spilled wine on her nice dress. Yeah, it was a white wine, though, from what I gather. Wine got her in jail, too, or some kind of, remember? But, yeah, yeah, Regina's cider, right? Yeah. I think or it whiskey, had a little... no, her something stronger. Oh, it was something strong in yeah, there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for sure. Number 10, Emma is finally experiencing all the joys that come with living with your parents. That's true. But she's not a geek. She doesn't live in the basement. She lives in the loft. Right. Overhead. Right. I I still love that line. I can hear you. I can still hear you. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) All right, Brad. We continue on with his observations. White witch, Emma, there's no sign of that ice witch yet. This is the first instance that the Snow Queen has been referred to as a witch. Mm-hmm. Also, both Mary Margaret and Rumpelstiltskin used a phrase, speaking of which, in this mm-hmm. episode. Will Scarlet, I love the Will and his lines are great, but his personality isn't meshing with the rest of the people in Storybrooke yet. He and Alice played well off each other because they had real chemistry together. Uh, she got his humor and he knew how to t- and knew how to talk to him. We know from Wonderland that he keeps to himself, so someone in Storybrooke will need to befriend him before he opens up. I think it's going to be Emma. I think Emma will actually befriend him. I think what will happen is she will recognize his talents, and she'll recruit him to be a a sheriff as well. Okay. I think he'll end up on the right side of the law, because he really does have that good heart. Once she figures that out, I think she's going to realize that his talents as a former thief will help in... I mean, it's why she makes such a good sheriff, right? Yes. He, so, that's what I think. He has a very different English accent. It is not your classic <laughs> well, English not, accent. It's not highborn London no, accent. It's no. very much a... Uh, I enjoy listening the country. to it. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. And I can't remember where he's from specifically, but he definitely has a very different, more country accent, I would say. I do. I still love that scene where... It's almost a classic scene where someone is drinking and someone is drunk. And he was trying to open the thing. And then Hook Killian wanders up and says, bloody hell. And then uh, Will Scarlet says, I say that. <laughs> so he's like, he was talking to himself. And I started to think, he's from Wonderland. He's used to all kinds of oh, weird, yeah. weird creatures coming up. It just He's just, wait a minute. I say that. It was just yeah, it was very it was a, funny. kind of a funny moment. It was so, very funny. Uh, sorry, Brad, I will continue with your email. Having him hold a picture of the Red Queen made me realize how much I wanted to see Anastasia again. You me and Colleen too. both. See. I loved him. I loved I loved Will and Anastasia together. They were yeah. really cute. There could be some great storytelling by incorporating her into the show. We mm-hmm. need some more good guys with magic on the show mm-hmm. since the reform Dark One is slipping. 
yep. radio station. The radio station's call letters were W-O-L-F-98, home of the original Party Animals. The DJ said the previous song was left of the dial by the replacements. I thought the chorus was appropriate for the situation. Hook and Rumple are in. On and on and on and on. What side are you on? So, nice. There you go. He Does also any... mentioned, mentioned Rip Van Winkle, too. Yeah. Rip Van Z- Winkle, Song to Wake Up To or something like that. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Does anyone else know? I, I've heard of the replacements. I haven't heard the band. I mean, I haven't dove into all their music, but Mm-mm. it's just it's another one of those. Adam and Eddie, unless you're like a rock or kind of indie rock aficionado, you, you miss a lot of the jokes. Oh, yeah. A lot of little, not jokes, but... The little nuances. Yep. All right. So let us continue. Rip Van Winkle uh, was mentioned by the radio announcer. He was looking for some classics to wake up to, and I hope he found it. Granny's Diner on the radio. We also heard the slogan of Granny's Diner. It's better than you remember. (laughs) That's why I missed that. Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpel even changed his voice as Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine does win. He says, do it. And that's true. I think he's probably, they're probably sending Lucas or Disney or somebody a couple of bucks. Thor's hammer. Again, we get a glimpse of Thor's hammer in the background of Rumpel's castle. So maybe Natalie Portman will be joining the cast. Maybe. Mr. Gold. Mr. Gold has an amazing redemptive arc for the first half of season three, but ever since he was brought back to life and held captive by Zelina, it's almost like it never happened. The scene at Neil's grave, the countless, I want to be a better man speeches to Belle sound like a broken record. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's real life. Mm-hmm. I, I know all kinds of people that yeah. fathers and people have told them that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's you, tough. you wish it was different, but he's here over <laughs> and over. The previous season, he'd been motivated, motivated by finding his son and, changing for bell but now he's disrespecting his son's sacrifice starting his marriage with a lie and refusing to offer his help to anyone in town he's become a person who wants ultimate power with no restrictions for his own personal gain all of his character developments have been thrown out the window as he is now just a typical villain who is no longer relatable the argument could be made that he was changed after he resurrected or that all of the dark ones have encapsulated his body, which I think we thought anyway. Yeah, I thought that too. So, I mean... You I brought t- that up. That's what yeah. I said, like, a couple weeks ago or whatever. You talk about struggle just yeah. in your own self. Right. But then you got to struggle with 15 right. or 20 or whatever however other dark ones. ones. Oh, yeah. my gosh. We don't know how many there were. Yeah. So, not giving him an out. But no, just, but it's an explanation you know, of why he may be yeah. the way he is. So I'll continue. Drowning out the changed man. And that could have yeah. led to that. All, yeah. Although I do like this explanation, we have seen nothing to bring up, bring us to this conclusion. Showing that Rumpel wanted to be wanted the hat in the past as well seems to give evidence that this was all him. Very discouraging to see him this way after all the work he had done to be a better man. If you want. If all you want is a cliche evil villain, it looks like you've got your wish. Bell deserves so much better. And I agree with that, I yeah, think. I would agree, too. But the only thing I'll say in in falling in with the show is if somebody turns good and stays good, mm-hmm. sort of boring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a drama. Mm-hmm. And when you have a drama, you yeah. can't have somebody that's all bad all the time because that's kind of predictable that's too much right but if you have people that are good and then turn bad and then turn good again it, it's it is growth but you know people change back a lot mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately bell speaking of bell she only had 10 words in this episode with everything gold is doing it's disappointing that there isn't a greater storyline going on between the both of them that's true, and she is a cast member. She's not a coast, uh, a guest. No, she's a cast member. So. But here's the funny thing: is that I think we're not seeing a lot of that right now because they're building up the backstory for what's going to happen when Belle figures it out. Because she will. I'm well, telling you, she's going to figure it all out at some right. point. Right, and and I don't 
I don't think this is a spoil. This is a spoiler, but they have cast her mother, so we know that there's something that's going to be shown. Right at some point in time. I mean, we we, the, the, we just don't see a lot of Belle right now because that's not the focal point. It's you know we're we're focusing on. I think they're focusing on right now in the first part of the season is to kind of establish Rumple's character. Which we already kind of knew, but we thought he had changed, and apparently it doesn't look like he has. Yeah. I know that uh, Emily DeRavin is shooting a new movie called The Submarine Kid, mm-hmm. and this could be why they are underusing her and yeah. not writing her into a great storyline. Then again, this could be the reason why she is working on another project. I really hope her fate is not the same as Megan Ori. Jamie Dornan, Sebastian Stan, etc. Mm-hmm. Letting them all go was a real missed opportunity. I know there is a bell-cindered episode coming up, but this is all the same thing they they did with Ruby. She could get a full episode to herself, then a couple of lines here and there. I know we all would rather have it proportioned out through the whole season instead of just one full episode. Hook, here's a man who's generally trying to be a good guy, Rumpel, who is claiming he wants to be a better man and has to be blackmailed just to help Elsa. Where was Belle, by the way, to convince him? And I, I agree. They, Belle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Hook took it a little too far when he tried to blackmail him to put his hand back on, but Rumpel killed Mila, so any bad blood between them should be gone. Giving him his hand back by making him believe it had been cursed was gold just being a insert your derogatory comment here he did the same thing to regina when she was trying to change he's that little devil on your shoulder and if you can't be a better man he's going to make sure that nobody else can either well and the funny thing is is if you think about it it is interesting he brings up a good point they should have kind of score should be settled between the two of them right by now yeah right i mean hook stole mila from but Mila went willingly. So it wasn't like he really actually actively stole her. He right. just ended up with her. And then when Rumble killed her and took his hand, kind of should have been even. Mm-hmm. Score should have been even at that point. But then Hook, getting all you know pissy and wanting to hunt him down, like the crocodile that he is, and take and kill him, well, then now, you know, kind of, he should, it sh- the score should be settled by now. The score should totally be settled by now. Right? Yeah. So the fact that it's not is interesting. In comparison, we have Regina and Snow, who have buried the hatchet. Mm-hmm. They kind of they came to an understanding and they buried the hatchet. I love that about their their relationship. But they brought in another baddie, so yeah, absolutely. But it so doesn't the matter. Heat comes off of Regina, absolutely, it does. And Rumpel, by the way, oh, absolutely. So yeah. All right, so I'm going to just start to kind of encapsulate things. He really enjoyed uh, the Fantasia broom. Mm-hmm. He's tired of the Frozen references. Mm-hmm. And if he read a Facebook post that if you rework Sydney's name, mm-hmm. with uh, you get Yensid. Oh, interesting. Which I think is, yeah. is fascinating, actually. That is true. All right, so let's talk about some of his theories. Author of the book, I still hold to my original theory that the sorcerer is the author of the book, especially after seeing The Apprentice this week and adding more mystery to his identity. I've heard that finding the book's author will be stretched out over both halves of the season. That's good. Hopefully, yeah. would like that. Instead of having two different storylines like last year, a villain who tries to give himself a happy ending while still acting in his evil ways like Rumpel, needs to be stopped by a powerful author. The sorcerer fits the role perfectly. Also, I love the idea of having a good sorcerer who is just as powerful or possibly more powerful than the dark one. Mm-hmm. At this point, I want to see the defeat of the snarky, manipulative, self-serving Mr. Gold. I want the winner finale gold back. Mm-hmm. I, well, we'll see. Uh, Swan, I have nothing to back this up. But if the last name Swan somehow came from Sarah Fisher, what if the last name Swan somehow came from Sarah Fisher? Hmm. It has never been explained how Emma received that last name. We know Neil gave her the necklace of the Swan, but it's not confirmed that she went by the last name because of it. I wonder, okay, here you go. I wonder if they find Emma's real last name in that census. Maybe. And that maybe she 
kind of took Swan, whatever, but she never really knew <laughs> that her last name was actually Fisher. Eh, something. Interesting. Huh? But here's the thing. Okay, so I want to kind of sidetrack a little bit. Can I do that for sure. a second? Because talking about Sarah Fisher, we were talking about that early. What's mm-hmm. the, what, what fairy tale or whatever, how would you, you work that? Interestingly enough, I did a little digging, just a little tiny bit. And guess what? I looked at Fisher King because that was the first thing that came to right, my head. Right. And yes, that is a Shakespearean thing, but it, there's been other legend or Arthurian, not Shakespearean, Arthurian legend. There's been others, and basically, it's a king who's been wounded, right, in a special place, right. But he guards <laughs> but, what the uh, cup of the the Grail. Yeah, right, right. So that's the Fisher King, okay. right? But what's interesting is that there's a modern take on the Fisher King in the novel, That Hideous Strength. Now, do you know who wrote That Hideous Strength? No. C.S. Lewis. Okay. Now, what else did C.S. Lewis write that might actually kind of... yeah, yeah. Whole Chronicle of Narnia, right? Right. Interestingly enough about That Hideous Strength, which again, I did a little more digging into that... That hideous strength has a it's, it takes place during the final period of World War II, so it's more modern take, right? But <clears throat> there is a Bracton College in the University of Edgestow, and this guy Mark Studdock is a young academic, right? The fellows of Bracton are debating the sale of a portion of the college land to the National Institute for Coordinated Experiments. Nice. Okay. N I C E. You have hmm. Anna, who made the point of saying she was nice. Right. And you have the Snow Queen, who is the Ice Queen. Right. Hmm. So I think there might be a little something to this. Or at least yeah. they pulled some of this stuff from it. Really coincidental. So, again, these writers are academics and scholars, and they do a lot of really good research. And I have a feeling that may come into play. Well, the, the nice thing is, is shows like Lost, shows like this, mm-hmm. even you know, Game of Thrones and other shows like that, are really mm-hmm. getting people into research and read these other yeah. books. Yeah. And I think that's nothing wrong with that. So. Well, and again, I mean, if you're pulling Narnia, if you're pulling anything from C.S. Lewis and you start doing research on C.S. Lewis, you all of a sudden realize there's other things that kind of coordinate with this. It's kind of interesting to see. So, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yep. So, and actually the other thing too, by the way, that's pulled into this whole book, another little um, piece is there's a character in there. They're looking for... Um, there's a, a tinker, a vagabond tinker. Mm. There is a fairy, ma- a Miss or Major Hardcastle. Then you have um, a reverend who's the mad parson. And then you have, where is it? Where'd it go? Merlinus Ambrosius. Mm. The wizard Merlin awakened and returned to serve the Pendragon and save England. Wow. So... I kind of have a feeling that may tie all in. Hmm. So, interesting. I knew Narnia was close by. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. And I'm telling you, that hideous strength. Okay. So, that'll be an interesting kind of pull to see how much they pull of that. Um, See if anybody picks up. I don't know if anybody else has picked up on that or not. But I'd be really curious to know if they've pulled a lot of their information from that book. And C.S. Lewis is a very famous popular author and i i've checked out a number of his works and he is mm-hmm. really fantastic besides the the chronicles of narnia and all that you mm-hmm. know screw tape letters and, mm-hmm. and just just incredible works he has such yeah. wit and uh i've never read this book that, that you mentioned but well anyway. and i've never read of it read it either because it was published in 1945 i don't yeah. know how many people have actually read it or know about it but it was it's real interesting mm-hmm. to kind of see pieces of things that kind of go wow that totally like fits exactly with what we're talking about on once one time yeah. c.s lewis is just fantastic yeah all right i will continue uh with uh, brad's email about uh swan she could have already had the name, and that's why he gave her the necklace. So, that's true. All right, uh, Sorcerer, since the apprentice said every dark one has tried and every one has failed, it would seem the hat has is common knowledge between all dark ones. Could this be 
could this be because a sorcerer being a dark one himself at one time now possesses the hat? What if he refused to be the dark one any longer and faced his inner darkness and succeeded? Mm -hmm. Being made pure, he would be released from the dagger's control and now be the rightful owner and guardian of the most powerful hat in the universe next to the fedora. Uh, I believe that only a truly good man can wield and possess the power of the hat. Gold may be able to activate it, but he won't be able to control it very much like he said Mickey Mouse in Fantasia, but I also say Elsa can't control her magic mm-hmm. either. And Emma also mentioned that as well. Right, right. So, all right, burning questions. Does magic still come with a price when you possess the hat? I quickly off the top of my head i would say no because it it's out from under the limit that they were talking about in this episode of the dark one dagger yeah but magic all magic comes with the price okay. and i would say that that's true because i mean if you think about it it come it comes back with to what we were saying we've said many times is any decision you make has ramifications. You cannot toss a pebble in a body of water and not have ripple effects, yeah. right? So it's always going to have some sort of effect. Now, does it mean that they're always bad effects? Not necessarily. So, but is it going to come with a price? I'm sure it is because you've got to give up something in order to wield the magic. So what is Rumble going to have to give up in order to wield it? And I'm afraid it's going to be Belle. Mm. A very good point. I, I had not considered that, but I'm glad you're here <laughs> with me. All right. So this is very incredible. We have a message from the one, the only Keegan Connor Tracy, we the do. Blue Fairy, Mother Superior, wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah. And we miss her on the show. Mm-hmm. And so here's the message. Now, keep listening. Not only is she going to let us know things she is working on for now and the future, but also what you as fans of Once Upon a Time can do for her. So listen to this. I just thought I would call in and say hello and thank everybody for the support I've received since the beginning of the show. You know, keep the rally out there to see more of the Blue Fairy. I would love that. So I'm looking at what else they asked me to say. Ah, to speak about future projects I can discuss. Well, there is The Descendants, um, which is the Disney film in which I play Belle from Beauty and the Beast. That's kind of a good adjunct to the Blue Fairy and that whole storyline. And right now I'm working on the opposite end of the spectrum on a movie called Dead Rising, um, which is a zombie flick with uh, Jesse Metcalf, which is very hard. It's very hard working with Jesse Metcalf. He's so hard to look at. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I hope y'all are enjoying this uh, frozen season and uh, keep rooting for Blue to come back. Peace. So you heard her. I did. You heard what she asked. And, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter saying a lot of different impassioned things about Once Upon a Time. But why don't we help out Keegan mm-hmm. come back on the set and root for the Blue Fairy to once ABC and to Adam Horowitz say we miss the Blue Fairy. We miss We her. miss Mother Superior. We want to see more of her storyline. Mm-hmm. One person that I tweeted out, I said, you know, do you miss seeing um, the Blue Fairy on Once Upon a Time? She goes, no, she's cagey or something like that. And so there's a lot of people that think that the Blue Fairy is not so good. And I want to I want to see the rest of the story. But yeah, well why can't we see more of her so we can find out for right, sure? Right. So anyway, thanks so much Keegan for leaving us that message. Yeah. I really really appreciate it. And <clears throat> support her other projects. I mean, this Descendants is a huge Disney thing. Oh, it's a thing. major huge thing. So Support that. Tweet mm-hmm. about that. Talk about that. She will make an excellent bell, by the way. Yeah, she I, really will. I saw a photo. I, she's yeah. she's darling. I've always thought she was just absolutely darling. She's you bet. just you know beautiful girl, and she's um she's perfect for Belle, I think. But yeah, and then wow, Dead Rising is huge. A zombie huge. flick mm-hmm. with Jesse Metcalf. I agree with yeah. her. Jesse Metcalf's a pretty adorable young man. So just saying. All right. So, very important, though, besides what Keegan asked you to do, I am asking you, please thank her, Keegalicious, and we'll put a link uh, in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Thank her on Twitter for leaving us that uh, voicemail message 
on our show. We really, really appreciate that. And we need to let her know how much yeah. we appreciate it. I can let her know. Right. But if 10, 20, 30, I know that there's multiple hundreds of people listening mm-hmm. to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please let her know. You you all have Twitter. Most of you, I think. Mm-hmm. So please do that. We really appreciate that if you would. And I know she will appreciate the support and also thanking her for that message. Mm-hmm. That's it. Have a bit of a short show. We still talked about a lot of great things, yes, a lot of great points. Yeah. I thank everyone for uh, sending in their uh, email messages and messages and all that. I want to send big love out to everybody. And I hope you know that big love is so big, you can't keep it all yourself. Yeah. So take what you need and pass it on. And with all the sad things that are going on in the world these days, we all need it. I would agree. Okay. So until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen and the rain dog lady over there mm-hmm. saying goodbye. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Rony Zone media production. Please contact or connect with us. You may hear your comments on an upcoming episode. We're on Twitter at OUAT Podcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OUAT Podcast, or leave a comment at the show notes. Contact us via email at feedback at once upon a time podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 657 333 06 Until next time, spread a little big love around. Rumpelstiltskin was voiced by Brad Pogress, and Teddy was voiced by me, the voice of Steve. You can check out my podcast, The Voice of Steve Podcast, free on iTunes. Say hi at Facebook.com slash Voice of Steve, or see what I'm doing over on Twitter, at The VOS Show. Check out everything I do, from the podcast to voiceovers. I even have a blog sometimes at thevoiceofsteve.com. Hope to see you around, and thanks again for listening to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast.